Okay, we're continuing in chapter 4. We've been talking about wealth and about mistakes that people make when pursuing wealth. And uh, yesterday we spoke about uh, the three mistakes that many people make when they pursue wealth. Now we're going to speak about another mistake. So why aren't there four mistakes? Because the, the three mistakes are really like three fundamental misconceptions about the nature of wealth. Now this is like a different type of a mistake. This is a mistake, uh, like a, a mistaken intention that a person can have when they pursue wealth. In other words, uh, what they think they're going to achieve by running after money. Okay, so let's go into the text. Then there are types of people who make the effort of acquiring great wealth only for the love of honor and to make a name for themselves. In other words, it's not the money itself that they want, it's the covet that they want, and the money is the way to get the covet. So that it's never enough for them. The wealth is never enough because they never have enough covet. You know, when you need to be validated in any other way, than from the fact that Hashem created you, it will never be enough. <laughs> the only real validation that anyone can have why you deserve to exist, why you deserve to breathe air, you know, why are you here? What justification do you have? You know, the only valid answer to that is, I didn't put myself here, he put me here, and he knows what he's doing. So that's the only vote of confidence that I need, and I'm, I'm validated. But if that's not enough for you, and you're seeking other types of validation, it's endless. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough approval. It'll never be enough validation. And so for the person who chases after wealth because wealth is his way of getting, or he thinks it's that way of getting that validation, it'll never hit the spot. It'll never do for him what he wants it to do for him. He wants it to give him an identity. He wants it to give him a reason for living. And it, it just doesn't have that in it. So it'll never be able to provide that. This intention of theirs is due to their ignorance of what will bring real honor in this world and in the next. So they don't know what real covet is all about. Now, where did they get their erroneous uh, misconception? I guess that's redundant, right? Erroneous misconception. But where do they get their, um, their worldview that they, they think money will bring honor? Well, Rebbein Bechaya tells us a little uh, psychology over here. The cause for this is They see how the Ame Ha'aretz, the common folk, the ignorant people, Honor the rich people. Because the common people uh, crave 
what the rich people have, they envy it, and they're drawn after, they're attracted to what the rich people have. It's interesting, the Nether Bakaydish, one of our favorite commentaries on the Chavis Lavavis we mention quite often, he points out a really, really, just, I think, superb insight into uh, human nature. Why do the why do the ignorant common folk uh, think rich people are cool? You know, why is that interesting? Why do they want to know about rich people? Why do they want to hang out around rich people? So, Rebbeinu B'chayah says because they envy what the rich person has. But the Nedabakaydish expands upon this and he says that they hope, or they have some type of a fantasy, I guess, that if they hang around rich people and they are obsequious to rich people and they can get rich people to like them or to notice them, then that will lead to them becoming rich. <laughs> they think they're going to become rich through osmosis. So because it's a funny chain reaction. Because Rebbeinu B'chai is saying there are people who are wealthy and they're obsessed with maintaining their wealth and constantly expanding their wealth. Why? Because they think it will bring them honor. And where did they get this idea that will bring them honor? Because they see the most ignorant and, and unrefined people being impressed with rich people. And why are the ignorant, unrefined people impressed with rich people? Because these ignorant, unrefined people have some type of a weird fantasy in their mind that if they hang out with the rich people or hang around them or, or, or you know, somehow curry their favor and get, get some attention from the rich person, somehow by osmosis, you know, they're going to they're gonna become wealthy too. They're going to be brought into the inner circle. There's a, there's a story that happened in Labavitch. There was once uh, a guy who was, he, he was a poor guy, and he had chayves, he had debts to pay off. And it was really, really weighing heavily on him. And uh, he went into Simchas Torah with like, some serious uh, financial burden. But he tried to put it out of his mind, and he went to Hakafas, and he, when he was dancing. Anyways, at the Hakafas, Somehow, I guess he was dancing a lot, and, and someone else who was dancing a lot at the Kofis was, was the Chassid Shmuel Gerari. Shmuel Gerari was a big veer, and an, an industrialist. He uh, had factories. He made a lot of money. So he was like, he was a rich guy. So this poor guy who was struggling with Parnas, and he went into Yom Tif with all this you know, financial uh, strain on him, he ended up dancing. Like him and Shmuel Gerari were dancing together. They were like, you know, to, you know, together, one-on-one, -on -one, there was a circle around them. Everyone was watching them and clapping. They were dancing together, and they danced together for hours. So, after Yom Tov, the guy goes back home. I don't know if he lived in Lubavitch, or he traveled to Lubavitch for, for Yom Tov, but whenever he gets back home, he gets back home, and he tells his wife, Ich bin geholfener. I'm, I'm, we're, we're saved. Our problem solved. And Simchas who was I dancing with? With Shmuel Gerari. No, no less than Shmuel Gerari. That's I was dancing with Shmuel Gerari. We're, we're, we got it made. We're set. So, you know, obviously his wife is, is, is hoping, uh, you know, she, she doesn't want, look, the guy is under a lot of strain. This is the one thing that uh, lifted, lifted his spirits. So, so, okay, fine. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Anyways, he says, it's all taken care of. I just, I'm going to go see him in his office tomorrow. We're friends. We're good friends. We're dancing together. So the next day, the guy goes to Shmuel Gerari's office, 
or to the factory, whatever it was, and he goes to the secretary, I have an appointment uh, <laughs> with the boss, with the balabas, and I'm a good friend of, I'm a good friend of his, tell him uh, you know, I'm here to see him. And so he's sitting in the, or he didn't say he has, have an appointment, to the contrary, you know, from the story of Isaiah, you know, he just shows up, he rolls in, right? He tells the, the receptionist, whoever it is, to tell, tell Mr. Grauri I'm here, right? Okay, so he's waiting in the lobby, he's waiting in the lobby, Nothing, nothing. He's like, did you tell him? Did you tell him I'm here? Tell him, you know, I'm his friend from Simchas Torah. Tell, tell him, you know, they told him his name, whatever the name was. Shmuel Gerai is still not coming out. Did you tell him I'm here? Not, okay, the guy's not coming out. And then finally, at one point, Shmuel Gerai comes out very quickly. He just walks very quickly through the lobby. Like, passes right by. Just walks right through. He's going from point A to point B. Just makes a beeline. Goes straight through the lobby. And then he stops, and he sees this chassid sitting in his lobby. He looks at him a second, and he makes recollection, like recognition, like who, who, who he is. And he looks, looks at him, he says, Tansin, nish dawn nish yet. And he walks out of the lobby. Dancing, not here and not now. And then he walks out of the lobby. Okay, so this guy, that was a really long story for such a payoff. I hope it was a good payoff. At any rate, so this guy was under the illusion because he was dancing and with, with a rich guy, oh, now he's, now he's got it made. Okay. But that's the way that the ignorant people see things. And, uh, yeah, somebody sent me a private chat. The private chats, by the way, people underutilize the private chats. That, uh, yeah, sometimes your rich friends can help you out. So, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, if, you know, if you're a fundraiser, then it's, maybe it's a little different because then you know how to hobnob. It's like, you, by the way, when I go to like the fancy dinners, you know, like the expensive fundraiser dinners, I don't, I don't go to them, but you know, if I'm like brought there to, to work. So I see usually there's a few kinds of people who go to them. There are the, the people who are running the event, and usually it's a lot of people who are involved in any Maesid, who and they're all there, because they have to be there, because that's their, that's their Maesid's event. Then there are the rich people. And then there are the fundraisers, <laughs> who want to be seated with the rich people. Okay, so that's probably what this uh, comment is referring to. At any rate, yeah, it's a strategy. That's a strategy. Okay, we'll see if we'll, we'll continue learning Chayvus uh, if that's a good strategy, if that will, if that will help. Anyways, um, so, getting back to the main point. The rich guy is obsessed with making more and more and more and more money because he's trying to feed this bottomless pit of wanting validation. And where did he get the idea that having wealth would get him validation? Because he sees these proste amehoarets who take, give a lot of uh, attention to rich people because they're under the illusion that Nadar Bakadish says that it's going to make them rich. Okay. But if they would be smart, and they would understand. It's not within the power or the ability not to give and not to withhold wealth we're talking about. The rich people don't have the power to give or withhold wealth except to one whom the, the Creator has decreed the wealth should go to. 
So if they realized that, they would not set their hopes on anyone but Hashem. They wouldn't find these people befitting honor, or worthy of honor. Ella, except me, they would see only those who the, 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 the creators distinguished with outstanding qualities, which make that person worthy of the creator's honor, then the people would honor them. Kamesha Kosov, like it says, Ki For those who honor me, meaning those who honor Hashem, I will honor. So really only the people who are, who are honorable people, people who have attained certain character refinement, certain milers. Now, hold on, you're going to say, what about the, uh, the Gemara tells us that, that, that Rabbi, Yehuda Anasi, used to be Mechabed Hashirim. Yeah, that's true. Why was Mechabed Hashirim? Why did Rabbi give honor to wealthy people? Because it's a responsibility. And when somebody uses that responsibility correctly, it's definitely worthy of honor. Okay? But it doesn't mean that intrinsically being wealthy is worthy of honor. Being, being wealthy is not worthy of honor any more than being handsome is worthy of honor. Or being tall. It's not something that you actually caused. You have no control over that. It's a, it's, it's a lottery. So why, why should you be praised for something that you didn't accomplish? Now, becoming a mensch... That's totally praiseworthy because you have control over that. In fact, that's the only thing you have control over. So somebody who's refined, someone who's edel, who's humble, who has good midos, definitely he's worthy of honor because that's something he had to actually choose to do. Now, a wealthy person who uses his wealth in a, in a, in a humble way, in a gracious way, in a productive way, that's definitely worthy of praise. That itself is, is, a, is a great mila and a great midah. But not the wealth itself. Uh, that's like, you know, honoring somebody because, you know, you, the, the, you think they have great hair. You know. All right. Pretty shallow. Because the common people, the crass people, by honoring the wealthy show their, uh, their ignorance. Let's call it ignorance. It's a more polite term. So the Creator, in turn, gives them more ignorance. You know the expression, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. It's like the, the search engine echo chamber. That's why today everything is so polarized. You know why it's so polarized today? Because of clickbait. They want to keep you clicking. So if you're interested in, in, in an ideology, YouTube is going to want to keep you up till 4 in the morning watching more and more videos of it. So what are they going to do? They're going to show you more and more extremist versions of the thing you're interested in. Right? So-and-so destroys so-and-so in debate about such-and-such. Such, right? And... Uh, I mean, I'm not joking. That's how people become radicalized. That's how they become radicalized. So, anyways, 
you start, and then you start, and then you remember it was really interesting. So then you go search for it in Google, and now now you're in the loop. You know, that's it. Forget about it. And now you're stuck in this unending search engine bubble where you're getting increasingly more extremist versions, clickbaity, emotionally triggering versions of whatever it is that you were interested in, right? Okay. Well, I got to tell you something. In a certain way, life is like that already. I think the internet just made it more so, amplified it. But life is like that already because whatever you're looking for is what you're going to see more of. Um, I mean, this is not the point here, but, you know, we know that people who have faith and they look at things through eyes of faith, they find more faith. And people who are cynical and they want reasons to doubt, that's how they look at things, then they find in everything more motivation and affirmation for their doubt. Well, that's kind of what we're saying here is that people are looking at life from a very foolish point of view and they, they find more and more foolishness. And that's basically what it's saying here. And they fall into a, a trap or a loop of constant exertion their whole lives. Just the unending grind. The hamster wheel. You can't get off the hamster wheel. They leave aside that which they're supposed to be toiling for. Right? We said before, So what should you be toiling for? To become a mensch. To have Yiddish Shemaim. Because then you, you're actually toiling for something. You can control something about it. You, have, you can do something about it. But these things that are in Hakril Bide Shemayim, that are in, in God's hands, nothing you can do about them. So you're running on the hamster wheel. And meanwhile, not only are they devoting their lives to something that they can't accomplish, but they've frittered away all that energy that they could have been using on stuff that they could accomplish. Anybody who tells me right now, you know, I, w- I want to finish Shas. Okay? I didn't go to Yeshiva. I, I, can't, I, I can't read Hebrew. I want to finish Shas. You know what? In today's day and age, you can go buy uh, an art school. You can go buy uh, Steinsaltz. And you can go finish Shas. There's nothing stopping him. But somebody says, I want to become a millionaire. Today, a millionaire is middle class anyway. So what's, what's the point of a millionaire? Someone says, I want to make uh, 10 million, 100 million. It's a nice thing, okay, beautiful, but who says you're going to accomplish it? And if you spend your whole life trying to finish Shas, you'll finish Shas a few times. But if you spend your whole life trying to become a millionaire or, or, or make $10 million or $100 million or whatever it is, or, or, or one penny more than whatever Hashem decreed, you're going to waste your life. You're on the hamster wheel, okay? All right, so they, they, they leave aside that which they should be working on, and also they leave aside that which they should be pursuing, the, the duties that Hashem has put on them. They're not, you know, they're not worried about that. They're not spending their time on that. And also offering thanks for His kindness toward them. They're not, they're not paying attention to that. To the contrary, they've, they've made themselves feel ungrateful. They have a... You know, they're, they're, they're frustrated, so they're, they're ungrateful. 
ותהיינה בקשי סם יסר קרבייס עליהם, בדרך הזה בלי ספק. And uh, what happens is, the achievement of these desires would have actually been more efficiently accomplished. It's ironic if they had focused on the stuff that they've been ignoring and ignore the stuff that they've been focusing on. Like the Torah says, talking about Torah, that uh, on its right is length of days, and on its left side is wealth and honor. Meaning, he goes after Torah, in the end, he gets the wealth and honor. Okay, but he goes after the wealth and the honor, he doesn't get Torah, and he doesn't get the wealth and honor. It also says that the riches and the honor come from you, come from Hashem. Somebody sent me a private chat. How does somebody know if it's possible he could become a rich man? Okay, so you're going to say this is an oversimplified answer. But I'm telling you the answer according to Chavis uh, Lovavis. Here's the answer. First of all, prioritize your relationship with Hashem. Put that first. Okay, you get up in the morning. First thought should be, I mean, after Maida'ani, your first thought should be, what are you doing for Hashem today? What are you doing to be a servant? Okay. Then second priority is a klifa parnasa, which has to be some normal way of making a living. It can't be weird. It can't be bizarre. It can't be a one in a million shot. By the way, he talks about it. I mentioned the Maimon and Dechman Sesechet the Glachs Metzayro. He says make a budget. Tzemach Tzedek says make a budget. He actually says figure out how much money you need. And then he says figure out what kind of ASIC would make that kind of money. Um, he, he actually says, it's, it, 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 it's a Maimon Chzidus, but over there he says figure it out. Because the Kli, Bader Chatava, is very important to have a natural... Uh, means for this. He says, figure out how much money you need, figure out how much money you want, figure out what kind of job would bring in that kind of money, and, uh, and then daven. And then, I mean, then go do the thing, and then go daven. And if you're meant to have it, and if you have those brachas coming to you, then you've, cre- you've provided an adequate kli for the Ebishtet to fill. And then you know, if it doesn't work out, that you're not meant to have that kind of money. And you have to be ready to get the answer. The answer may be no. Now, if you tell Hashem, I want to do tshuva and I want to become a mensch. And you say, but I tried it and it didn't work. Try again. The answer wasn't no. The answer was keep trying. Why? Because I could be the shemaim, chutz me yiddish shemaim. Your Yiddish Shemaim, you could actually do something about. But the guy who said, you know, I tried to strike it rich, and I had a decent plan. It wasn't a harebrained scheme. And I was doing what I needed to do as far as my ruchnias, you know, my learning, my davening, whatever else. Um, And I just never could break past a certain point. Okay, so then just relax and be comfortable with the fact that that wasn't meant for you. You were never supposed to break past a certain point. You didn't, you, you didn't starve to death. You didn't die of starvation, God forbid. The Abishad took care of you. Okay, so you wanted to be wealthy. Okay, so you, you, you weren't wealthy. You didn't die. You didn't die of starvation. You survived. I mean, we have a very, very high uh, bar 
as far as you know what we consider you know making a decent living we're so wealthy our, our standard of living is so high you know once upon a time people didn't know if their children were going to eat every day you know when people went out to work the goal of working was that their family should be able to eat this day we never think about whether we're going to eat today we think about whether we're going to be able to uh, you know go to florida for the winter and the catskills for the summer well, if, if that's your expectation of what, you know, making it means, maybe it's not going to work out. But you're certainly, you know, invited to try, have a normal scheme. I shouldn't say scheme because that implies something funny business. But have a normal plan uh, of what could make you uh, a Parnassa. Go try it and see. And see if you're meant to be uh, super wealthy. Okay, fine.